Welcome. We are in a five-week series looking at stories of courage from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Last week we looked at chapter 1 and discussed how we stand out at the right time in the right way for the right reasons. Daniel and his three God-honoring friends stood out because they made a predetermined choice to honor their God. Today we are going to be asking the question, how do we stand up? How do we stand up for what is right? And this has application for all of us, because the reality is at some point, someone that you love is going to make unwise decisions. And every now and then, God is going to prompt you to stand up for what is right and help guide that person back onto the right path. In this story, we see Daniel confront King Nebuchadnezzar with some hard truths. How do you find confrontation? Some people are overly confrontational, quick to speak their mind, while others run a mile from it, seeking to avoid any controversy at all. Where do you see yourself? There's two confrontational extremes. The first one Uh, some people are more willing to confront. Sorry, I should say some are more unwilling to confront. Uh, For these people, we tend to rationalize this out and say, well, it's it's none of my business. I'm just going to live and let live. Who am I to judge? The other extreme is that some confront unlovingly. Have you ever heard of a drive-by shooting? (laughs) There are some people who do drive-by confrontations. And this has become even easier and common with social media. Some people feel like it's their God-given right because they're always right and you're always wrong. And so we really need to seek God for wisdom as to how do we confront in the right way, at the right time, and for the right reasons, regardless of whether we are someone who is more comfortable with confrontation or not. Because if you're a follower of Christ, there will be times when God will call you to intervene in someone's life because you love them. If you're a parent, you may have a child that's making bad decisions, and you'll need to know when it is the right time to step in so that you don't push too hard and push them away, but help bring them back gently to the things of God. You may have a family member that's making really poor financial decisions, and you know that over time it's going to be devastating to them. And so you may feel God prompting you because you love this person. You care for them to step in and say, hey, here's a better way to manage your finances. You may have a family member or relative who is really judgmental. And there may come a point where you need to stand up and say, in our family, we're not going to do this. I'm going to take a stand and help you make good decisions that will be a blessing to others. Now, these are just a few examples And there are, of course, many more. But the reality is there will be times we need to stand up at certain times for the right thing. Now, the series that we're going through at the moment is not chronological. Last week, we looked at chapter one. That doesn't mean that this week we're looking at chapter two. Rather, we're looking at thematic stories throughout the book of Daniel, stories about standing up and stories about courage. And today's story is from Daniel chapter four. Now, we're not looking at Daniel chapter 2, but uh, Daniel chapter 2 pairs quite nicely with Daniel chapter 4. 
In Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 4, we read about King Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. Today we're focusing on chapter 4. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and he calls on his interpreters to explain to him what the meaning of the dream was. But they wouldn't. They were too scared because Nebuchadnezzar and other kings were actually famous for killing messengers of bad news. So they say, well, go and ask someone else. That's exactly what the king did. The king went and asked Daniel. Now, for your information, last week when we were in chapter 1, Daniel was probably just 14 or 15 years of age. This week in chapter 4, he's more like 45 or 50. We see, we have already seen in chapter 2, if you go back and read that, uh, that Daniel has previously interpreted dreams for, for the king. And so we now know that Daniel and the king have had a relationship that's been going for some time now, decades even. So let's have a look at Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 to 18. Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 to 18. We read, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belshazzar, Chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all. Under it the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches, from it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers, the holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living king may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. After hearing the king's dream, the first thing that Daniel says is, My Lord, 
if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. In other words, he's showing that he actually genuinely cares for the king. And then Daniel tells the truth. He says in verse 22, Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Then in verse 25 to 26, he translates the dream and says, You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So Daniel interprets the dream before the king, exercising the courage to do something that literally risked his life. He stood up to the king, not because he was proud of himself, not because he was arrogant and wanted to correct the king, not because he thought he was better than the king. He stood up to the king because he honoured the king and he wanted the king to know the goodness of his God. And this is what he had the courage to say. Verse 27, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. In other words, what Daniel says to the king is, stop sinning and do the right thing. In fact, any time you're going to help bring loving correction to anyone, this basically summarizes what we're going to say. Stop sinning and do the right thing. Now, we're not going to use those exact words, But I guess the essence of what we're trying to say is what you're doing is offensive to God. There's another way. There's a better way. Now, I don't know when it will be and I don't know under what circumstances, but if you're a follower of Christ and you're living within Christian community as we're supposed to live, as we're called to, and we're doing life together as brothers and sisters, and we're encouraging one another, we're loving one another, we're supporting one another, we're doing life around God's word, and we're praying for one another, if that's where you find yourself, there's going to be times when God is going to call you to stand up to someone else in that context who's making the wrong decisions, to help them back onto God's path. Just in the same way as there will be times when God will call on others to stand up to you or I because we're blind uh, to things that may be happening in our lives. And they're going to help us back onto the right path. And whenever God calls you to be the one who stands up to someone else, it's incredibly important to be prayerful about this. I don't know about you. What's been your experience of this? Have there been times when someone has come to you in love and very gently sought to highlight perhaps an area of your life where maybe you've gone off track? I don't know about you, but when this has happened for me, I've really appreciated it. And I, again, I don't know about you, but I actually want people around me who are prepared to tell me when I'm out of line. Um, 
And I think it's so important that we surround ourselves with people who we can be real and honest with. Now, of course, the way that we approach people is incredibly important. And we're going to talk about that shortly. But I want to take you to a New Testament verse that mirrors exactly what Daniel did with the king that we read here in Daniel chapter 4. In Galatians 6, 1, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Galatian believers by saying, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, the first thing I want to highlight here is the assumption is that within Christian community, and we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God, we all get off track from time to time, the assumption from the New Testament is that brothers and sisters are going to be lovingly, humbly and gently correcting one another and pointing one another to the right path. There's a sense here that we need one another. And in fact, if we're not doing this, we're missing out. We're not going to experience the growth that God has for us if we're not prepared to open our hearts to one another and be real with one another when we see each other getting off track. And I love this imagery that Paul offers in Galatians 6. Uh, You know, there's a sense of saying, because I love you, I'm here as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ. Gently and humbly, I'm no better than you, but I want to help you get back on the right path. Because you're in a place that could end up hurting you and I care about you. and I want to help you get back onto the right path. I mean, how does it make you feel if someone you have a relationship with comes to you in love and says, because I love you, because I'm your brother or because I'm your sister in Christ, I'm coming to you. And I want you to know that I'm no better than you and I have all my own failings. But this is what I'm observing in your life at the moment. And I'm wondering how you're feeling about that. And I'm wondering if we could talk about that. Or I'm wondering if you'd like to talk about that. You know, so often, the person already knows. They don't need to be condemned. Sometimes just actually having the opportunity to talk about it in a safe context to a person who genuinely cares is one of the most loving things that we can do for one another. And I don't know if someone comes to me with that kind of posture, with that kind of attitude. I am wide open to want to hear uh, what they have to say. You know, as a believer, my heart is to grow closer to God. I I want to get better. I want to grow closer to Him, and I want to be more like Jesus. And so if someone can come to me in love, and gently correct me or rebuke me and point me towards the right path. I welcome that. I embrace that. And, you know, I'm concerned about people who, who, who can't open themselves up to correction, instruction, gentle rebukes from their brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I guess that really does highlight um, pride, doesn't it? When, we, when we're not prepared to receive loving feedback. It kind of says, well, I don't need that. I'm okay. And the reality is there are times in all of our lives when we need to have that gentle correction or instruction. And it's just so important here to remember that Paul stresses that point gently and humbly. 
Now, Paul then goes on to say something very interesting. He says, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. When we confront another person, we're going to need to be prayerful. And here are two very simple prayers that are memorable and applicable to any kind of spiritual confrontation. And the first one is this. When God is calling us to confront someone, here's a prayer we can pray. God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Indeed, that is the heart of what we're trying to do. We want to restore a relationship. Perhaps it's a relationship between two people, a separate from ourselves. Perhaps it's the relationship with, uh, with, with, with you and I. Perhaps it's a relationship that's somehow broken down and I'm coming to you to share with you my concerns or uh, my own failings in all of that and, and I want to seek restoration. Perhaps you want to try and bring about restoration between the person that you are lovingly, gently and humbly confronting and their relationship with God. But when we confront someone, we need to do it in love with the goal of restoring relationship with the goal of getting them back onto the right path. We never confront because we are right. We only confront to help someone else be right with God. We don't confront because we're right. Oh, I'm right and you're wrong, so I'm here to correct you. No. We confront to help someone else get back onto the path with God. That's the only reason we ever confront And whenever we confront, I think it's important that we always bear in mind that there will be a time very soon when if we are open to it, we too will be confronted. And so it's so important that we confront, as Paul says, with gentleness and humility. Scripture instructs us to gently and humbly help people back onto the right path. You see, approach is so important. It really matters Drive-by confrontation. Angry people on social media are people that we've got no relationship with. It's just ineffective. You know, as a pastor, from time to time, I'll receive anonymous letters that might have uh, words of, um, of correction or instruction or advice. But there's no context of relationship there. And it's very difficult to know how to best process uh, that feedback. And so I I want to encourage us as a community to be real, to be genuine, to be authentic, to have the courage to put our name to any kind of comment. And the best way to do that is face to face. Uh, I would avoid emails as a way of confronting. And I feel that today for so many, uh, email has kind of become the easy way out. Um, There's no real face to face relationship. And uh, I want to really counsel our church community that when there is a difficult or a confronting conversation to be had, please do it face to face. Meet the person. It is so different speaking face to face with someone than shooting off an email or writing something on, on social media. That is just inappropriate. We need to keep those tools for communicating about neutral things. When there is a, uh, a confronting situation that needs to be addressed, the best thing is to do it face to face. That builds the relationship. 
And there's so much in email and social media that can be misinterpreted. So I really um, would encourage us to avoid using that type of uh, communication. Talk to the person face to face. They'll be able to see through the way that you're speaking to them, through your eyes, through the tone of your voice, your posture, um, that there is a loving uh, approach that is being taken. It is so much more difficult to communicate all of those different aspects of communication uh, when we're not doing it in person. Okay, so the first prayer is, God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. The second prayer is this, God, help me to confront with caution. If you're concerned about a specific issue to confront somebody about, it could be that God has given you a burden for that issue, or it could be that it actually reflects a weakness in your own heart. We have to be so mindful of the logs in our own lives before we go worrying about the specks in others. Let me say that again. We have to be so mindful of what the logs are in our life and be real and honest before God and and do work with God on ourselves before we go to gently and humbly confront somebody about what's happening in theirs. We have to be so careful. And that's why Paul stresses that we need to be gentle and humble. You see, if I ever lovingly bring correction to you, I am not higher than you. And if you ever lovingly bring correction to me, you are not higher than me. We are all lower than God. And when we realize that we're all lower than God and we're trying to lift each other up to the things of God, then we're in a place where we can do it accurately. That's when we can do it in the right way, for the right reason, and see the right results. Now, you'll notice that through this talk, I've been referring to confrontation within the context of a Christian community. And, you know, one of the things that I really hate is when Christians are known for what they're against. And I'd be really cautious and concerned and actually say that Scripture does not instruct us to go and confront a non-believer to be behaving in ways that are becoming for a believer. We're talking here about um, people who claim Jesus as Lord and Saviour and then are living contrary to that claim. You know, as Christians, we need to be known for what we're for. And we are for the kingdom of God advancing We are for people and we are for seeing people grow in relationship with one another and with God. It's so important that as Christians, we don't condemn or judge anyone, uh, but especially those who have not yet given their lives to Jesus. We need to make allowances for people who don't share the same beliefs and practices that we do. But I think it's important that we hold one another to account so that the witness that we give to the world is a witness that will be powerful and genuine and genuinely draw people to Christ. And this is what we see in Daniel's approach. You know, he actually wants to see the king get closer to God. Uh, In chapter 2, the king actually acknowledges God as being a holy and sovereign God. And so the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, kind of goes backwards and forwards. 
And we see that in Daniel's approach, in this instance, he is interpreting the dream, but then he goes on to expound it, if you like. And that's, you know, I guess where Daniel is really showing that that love for the king is where he gently and humbly essentially says to the king, stop sinning and do what is right and God may continue to prosper you. Well, what does the king do? Unfortunately, he doesn't repent of his ways. Rather, he continues to rebel against God and seven periods, meaning seven years, goes by. And they are seven horrible years for the king. Some of you, you're going to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you're going to get it right. You're not going to be overly confrontational. You're not going to be arrogant. You're not going to be harsh. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to do lovingly. Uh, You're going to confront your brother or sister. And sometimes they're going to turn and other times they aren't. And here's what I want you to hear. You are not responsible for their response. You are not responsible for their response. You are simply responsible to be obedient to what God calls you to do. You do it right. You do it gently. You do it humbly. You do it with the goal to restore. And you leave the results in God's hands. And that's what Daniel did. And seven years later, by the grace of God, verse 34 says, After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honoured the One who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and His kingdom is eternal. Seven years later, the evil king repents of his sin, and he turns to God. And God is glorified because he worked through someone who had the courage to stand up to a king that had the power to take his life. The king was able to go to another level with God eventually. When he learned his lesson. You know, I wonder for some of us, perhaps we could go to another spiritual level if someone were able to come and lovingly and humbly confront us. And if we actually had the humility to receive that and say, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. And I need help. Could you pray with me? And could you keep me accountable? Maybe you're just a conversation away from taking that next step, from going to that next spiritual level. You know, sometimes we're going to have to take risks in relationship. If we're going to be real, if we're going to be authentic, if we're going to be a loving church for one another, then sometimes our relationships are going to get a bit messy and it's going to be ugly. And maybe it's going to get a bit messy and a bit ugly in our marriages You know, you might have to say to your spouse, I've I've been a doormat for a long time. You've been treating me with disrespect. I I love you too much and I'm, I'm so committed to our marriage, but I don't want this to continue. Let's get help. Let's get counseling. Maybe you've got a supervisor who's above you at work and not respecting your opinion. And you've got something significant to offer and you need to say to that person, you need to confront that person and say, hey, Would you please give me a chance? I really feel I have something worthwhile to offer. Your child might be going the wrong way. And you say, listen, I love you too much. I made mistakes when I was young too. Would you please listen to me? I want to help give you solid advice that will bring you in the right direction. And when the Holy Spirit connects in your heart and works through you in God's perfect timing, in God's perfect way, 
We believe that we're going to gently and humbly help people back onto the right path, not because we're right and they're wrong, but because it's our desire to help them be right with God. And we're open when others want to help us be right with God. God will bring restoration into our relationships. He will bring growth to our lives. And we'll be able to go deeper in our walk with God and our walk with one another. Can I encourage us in the context of Christian community to be cautious, but to obey those promptings when they come from the Holy Spirit, to gently and humbly come before one another and challenge one another with the goal of restoration, with the goal of seeing a brother or a sister uh, go further in their walk with Christ and bring about a greater connection and trust in the relationship. Can I pray for you? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to open your word and have a look at Daniel chapter 4. And Lord, we thank you for Daniel, your servant, and the example that he gives us of being in a situation where he had to confront the king. A situation, Lord, that others ran away from for fear. But Lord, here we see Daniel having the courage to speak the truth and to speak it in love. And God, I pray that you would give each one of us the ability to cautiously, but courageously, uh, in a spirit of humility and gentleness, uh, stand up to one another when we see one another uh, falling away or, or getting off track. Um, Lord, I just pray that for each person who's listening now, that you would bring to mind, is there someone that you would have uh, me, Lord, uh, bring a message of love um, uh, to? I pray, God, that you would give us the right words to speak. I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to speak face to face. And I pray, Lord, that your words would be on our lips and that they would be received in humility and in grace. And that, Lord, we could continue to be a fellowship, a body of believers who genuinely are caring about one another's spiritual welfare, that we would actually care enough uh, to gently speak to someone, a brother or a sister, in love when we see them out of line, when we see them uh, walking in ways that are contrary to your word. Lord, we need a lot of grace. We need a lot of wisdom. And yes, we absolutely need a lot of caution. Uh, but God, I pray that we wouldn't be too fearful of confrontation, uh, that we know that uh, there is a, a healthy um, confrontation that you call us to in Christian community. And so I just pray that into our um, church at Erina Community, God, that you would help us to be real with one another, uh, that God, that you would reward us for that, that uh, by doing this, Lord, we would become uh, the authentic people that you call us to be. And so thank you for this time. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.